the Behind the Seams podcast. I'm your host, Nunzio Signore, looking to bring you great dialogue with some of the best in the world of player development. The world of training baseball players has changed dramatically during the past few years, and I'm looking forward to shedding some light here on what's the latest, what's the best, and what's really happening in the world of player development. Thanks for joining me for the ride. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Before we begin, I want to tell you about our new remote training programs here at RPP. We've been offering remote training for quite some time, but we always required athletes to come in-house for assessments. Now, we can do the whole assessment online, and we're really excited about bringing all of our services, pitching, hitting, and strength training, to your doorstep. So if you like what we do and how we do it, check it out on our website at rocklandpeakperformance.com under remote training in the toolbar. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Behind the Seams Podcast. I'm Nunzio Signori, and today I've got a really interesting one for you. I've got pitching coach Matt Gurig here, and we had a little bit of an interesting test run we did with Matt this year. As far as guys that are really strong, that have a lot of time, Matt's playing indie ball, and he doesn't really have to do anything until April, but he was in our gym since the end of August. So we had about seven, eight months with this guy when we generally have three or four. We're going to explain today how we took a guy who was already a specimen physically and how we tried to find his lowest hanging fruit and how not always is it about how much weight that you have to gain. A lot of times your velocity has been climbing all your life and then all of a sudden you're stuck at the same miles per hour, the same exit velo, and it's not budging and you've tried everything. But a lot of times people will tell you, you need to gain weight. You need to gain weight. Well, today we're going to show you an example of where an athlete actually was at an ideal body weight. It was his lean body mass. So what I'm trying to say is a lot of times we'll have even young athletes in here and we look for them to be between 2.3 and 2.5 times their body weight, but they're at like 19 or 20% body fat. What we're trying to do with these athletes is we're trying to maintain that height to weight ratio, 2 to 3 to 2.5, or in Matt's case, older guys, 2.5 to 3 times their height in inches. And we're trying to maintain the weight they're at, but we're trying to actually decrease the amount of body fat. So we're basically putting a bigger engine in the car, and we're getting rid of some of the luggage that uh, may be holding them down physically and acceleration-wise. And what I mean by that is when it comes to increasing body weight and throwing velocity or hitting velocity, exavilo, if someone can't control their mass, this usually means that too much of their body weight is composed of fat rather than muscle. So ideally, we want both body weight and body fat to be within a certain range. Most, not all of today's minor league and professional pitchers on average have, they have anywhere between 10 to 15% body fat. It's really, really important because 225 pounds at 25% body fat and 225 pounds at 12% body fat look like two completely different bodies. And Matt's going to talk about some of the composition changes he saw in the mirror um, as we went through this as well. So I'm going to do a lot of the heavy lifting in this podcast, but I really am here. I have Matt here with me to just explain from an athlete's point of view how it felt how he handled his nutrition, and some things that maybe the the listeners can take home. This is a guy, let me just repeat this, this is a guy who has always been a pretty good physical specimen. Uh, He's going to talk about his starting weight 
and body fat, and he's already be, already been a good specimen. This is an example of a guy who we're not trying to gain weight. We're actually trying to lose body fat and create a faster, more explosive athlete. So today I'd like to welcome to the show Matt Gerg. Hey, Matt, thanks for coming, man. Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me. So uh, you've got about an hour before you have to go down and coach, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to this. Uh, just explain, explain, to the, uh, explain to the audience what your height and your weight was upon entering the, our baseline testing in the end of August, beginning of September, and maybe where your ex-Avila was sitting, and what the game plan was once we did your assessment. When I came in in August, I was 6'4", uh, 231 pounds, 17% body fat, and my exit velo was around 100 miles per hour. And you're no stranger to this place, so you've been here. Matt's been training with us since he was a student at Post. When you came in and we tested your strength numbers, let's talk about that a little bit. I'm looking at your baseline assessment. Let's talk about your power profile, first of all. We test our power profile with a CMJ jump a squat jump, and because you're also a pitcher, we look at a front leg reactive strength index, seeing how well you accept force and go the other way with it as far as posting up. Your power numbers on your CMJ jump were 5,253 watts. Your squat jump was 5,041 watts. And your front leg RSI, which we used to check your plyometric ability, was 0.776, which was a little low for the amount of power that you're producing in your jumps, which means that your plyometric ability was a little bit compromised. And that was something we knew that we needed to work on immediately with you. And you can talk about your strength numbers a little bit. What was your deadlift? In my initial baseline testing, my deadlift was 630 pounds. And what about your bench? 255 pounds. So let me just reiterate that. His deadlift was 630 pounds. This is already way past what we deem strong enough to throw a five-ounce baseball for anyone. His deadlift, his bench press was 255. This also is what we deem strong enough for the most part with any with anybody who's throwing a five-ounce baseball. So we needed to change the structure of how we were going to work out. Can you talk about, about what we were going to do with you? Uh, we knew we, I was strong enough in the beginning, so that wasn't an issue. But we knew that I needed to move better, move quicker. So we had a few months to restructure the program, and that's that's really what we hit hard the last couple months. Yeah, so basically we were dealing with a guy who had a lot of cross-sectional muscle area. He actually had a really, really great body weight to height ratio. The thing we looked at was that 17% body fat. He weighed in, I think, around, I think we said 233, and he had 17% body fat. So this was a good a 2.8 times his height in inches at, at 6'4". But his body fat was a little high. So we knew that what we needed to do with this guy who's already strong, we needed to get him in the weight room, have him lift quicker, and we needed to change his profile, his, the way he produces power a little bit. We needed to get him a little bit more to the velocity side because he was so lopsided on the strength side. And we think probably what was holding him back was his actual body composition. He was great in his strength testing and his mobility work. So the lowest hanging fruit here was that body weight and his plyometric ability, his lean body mass and his plyometric ability. So the first thing we did was we had to make sure that we got him on a good nutritional plan. Can you talk about how you personally went about doing it? How did you figure out how many calories you needed to eat? I generally just ate around 
3,400. I thought that was a good number. Once I started f not feeling too well moving-wise, I uh, decided to cut it back a little bit and see what I could do with that. Right, because generally we tell guys, most guys that need to gain weight, we tell them to eat 4,000 to 4,200 calories. Try eating starting there and seeing what the scale says. With Matt, it was the opposite. We didn't, we're not, remember, we're not looking for him to gain weight. We're looking for him to increase muscle and lose body fat. So he went on more of a calorie restricted diet. Your macros, your carbs, your protein, and your fats. Can you talk a little bit about what that was? Yeah, of course. Um, in the beginning, fats I didn't track, honestly. I just ate whatever. Uh, carbs were high. I was eating around three, 330 grams of carbs a day. Protein around 270, 280. So that's like 0.8 grams of protein per body weight at 233. But that's an awful lot of carbs. That's like one and a half grams per body weight. Yeah, so initially I dropped about 6% body fat in a couple months. So I kept going on with that. And then I saw my body fat rise a little bit. So after I talked to you, we cut it down to 250 for a little while and still didn't see a great result. So we dropped it back down to 170. So this is a perfect example of when people are telling, just got to eat carbs, man, you got to eat good carbs. I agree with that. When you're trying to change your body composition without gaining weight, you need to cut carbs. And you need to eat good carbs and cut carbs. He was eating 330. He is now down to actually eating half the amount of carbs that he was. And you're honestly, your weight right now, what's your weight right now? Uh, 231 and 13% uh, body fat. Right. So he's down 5% body fat, but his weight hasn't gone down at all, which is great, which means he put on muscle. He's putting a bigger engine in a smaller, in a smaller body, which is, in his case, not very small at all. And I want to talk about one other thing. It's really, really great to watch this guy really focus in on his sleep. Are you using any kind of app that you're tracking your sleep and your, and your calories on? What, how, what do you use to, to do that? So for my sleep, I have the Whoop, and it tracks all my recovery, strain, how I slept throughout the night. And then calorie-wise, I just have the MyFitnessPal where I just plug everything in, and it tells me everything I burn, eat, etc. Yeah, and we try to work with our athletes as far as nutrition goes, helping them. This is a very special case because we're dealing with a guy who already has a really pretty athletic body, and we're just trying to get it to the next level. So you really got to be a stickler with things, and especially with diet and sleep with these guys because they're already at a pretty high level of athleticism. To get them to that next level, it's really important. So let's talk a little bit about your training now and how we had so much time. Matt came in, and in September... When he did his baseline testing, we knew that we had like, we have like seven, eight months with this guy. We generally have five phase programs that bring guys through periodization from tissue prep, max strength into power, power development, into power endurance, and into conjugate training preseason. But when you have a guy for eight months, you've got to get a little creative and, and a guy that's already really strong where we can actually kind of rule out working on max strength phases with this guy. So we have to start, and I, I, I can start this off, so I can tell you that in his phases, we started with a general endurance phase in September and a general endurance phase in October, phase one and phase two. Then we took him into an explosive power phase, phase one in November, 
phase two in December. And in January, we included power, but we used slightly heavier lifting to bring back some of that lifting to make sure that heavy lifting to make sure his strength is still there and that we're not getting him faster while getting him weaker. And then this month, he's in conjugate. And we're going to talk a little bit about each of these programs right now. So the first thing we wanted to work on with Matt, because we had so much time with him, is while we're maintaining his strength, we wanted to work on his recovery, his ability to recover in between bouts at the plate. And Matt's also a pitcher. So we wanted to make sure that his power endurance, he could produce power over and over again over the course of a game, innings, and week to week. So recovery was huge, and working on general endurance is going to work on his cardiovascular endurance. It's going to help increase stroke volume, the size of his left ventricle, and uh, we use a lot of low, long, low intensities and low volume. We have to be careful that we don't think of zone two training as something like long-distance running. I am not an advocate of power athletes doing any type of long-distance cardio. But we can do sprint work and keep his heart rate in that zone two training phase. And that zone two training phase is about 60 to 70% of his maximum heart rate minus his resting heart rate. So we're not going to get into that too much, but I'll tell you, Matt's zone for zone two is between 135 and 152 beats per minute. Um, We want to keep him there, but we can do it by doing some ballistic movements. While we're doing that, band-resisted hide-ins, using a Versa climber, putting him through a circuit, you know, tempo intervals, ropes, uh, repeated lateral hide-ins, med ball throws, split stance recoil slams, viper lunges. We can run him into a, a circuit and have him monitor his heart rate. Talk a little bit about how you monitor your heart rate and when you're looking for 135 to 152, how you work that in a circuit and what you're looking for, how you manage your heart rate without going over or under. So I have an app that I use uh, every day when I work out. I post it up and uh, I just make sure I can see it at all times during sets and reps i'm trying to stay between that range if i go above the range i know i got to cut cut in a little bit more rest time and take a few seconds more if i'm not in that range a little too low i make sure i just go a little harder just to get my heart up a little bit just so i'm in that working range at all times and have you found that have you, as you've been doing this over the months and you've been, your conditioning has improved, you've found that you actually can go harder and longer without going out of that range, correct? Yes. What that's telling us is, is that his oxygen supply is great. His left ventricle, his stroke volume is pumping out more blood. It's feeding more oxygen to his system. This is going to allow him to be po- more powerful, run, hit, throw, time and time again, over and over again, inning to inning, without fatigue and without seeing actually VLA losses in his velocity. So let's talk a little bit about what that strength training looks like. On days one and three, you had tempo strength training. Explain to everybody what the sets and reps look like on that. So on day one and three, I was lifting three sets of eight reps with a 40-second rest in between just to make sure my uh, heart rate stayed high. Great. And on day five... Uh, I did explosive repeats, which is eight sets of 10-second reps at a 20 to 40% of my one rep max. So let me just explain what's happening there. His tempo intervals, his tempo lifting, he was lifting between 70 and 75% of his one rep max. For a 630-pound deadlift, that's about 375 for eight. And his bench at 255 of a one rep max, it was about 180. And he was giving us three sets of eight and only 40 seconds break in between the sets. And the reason for that 
that is it helps the body's ability to recover from high intensity intervals by managing pace and recovery between these bouts rapid regeneration and resistance to accumulating fatigue is achieved we're trying to build up the system that the, the central governor basically his brain to um, get used to being tired and on his explosive repeat day we were doing trap bar jumps he was using 125 pounds which is 20 percent of his one rep max and he was only using 105 pounds for quick 10 second bursts these are eight sets of 10 second bursts on his bench press this is his explosive day because we are really trying to make this guy explosive the first two days are just giving him some maintaining that strength while the other days we work on his explosive repeats this is like targets the aerobic ability of the fast twitch fiber also the repetitive power output so it helps him oxidize lactate and it helps create him not getting sore and once again the central governor the brain getting used to being explosive over and over again so in the general endurance phase we generally give those guys two days of tempo strength training to initially maintain the strength that they have we're not trying to get bigger remember we're just trying to maintain that strength so we're staying at a low 70 to 75 percent intensity and then the third day we're beginning to work we're trying to begin to work that explosiveness and on day two we do a thing called a plyometrics and with guys that need to get faster this is a huge day we do things like lateral low box drill rapid med ball chest passes ladder drills things where his ground contact times are really quick so this is the point in time at the first two months in September and October, we're building his endurance. We're building his aerobic base while maintaining his strength. So this takes us through September and October, and we're going to get into November in a minute, but let's look at his baseline when we retest it in October. Talk to us about your weight now and end of October after eight weeks and your body fat. My weight was uh, 230 pounds and my body fat dropped down 6% to 12%. Yeah, so let me just explain that a little bit. At 233 pounds, he lost three pounds. So he's down to 230. But he dropped 6% body fat, which is 13 pounds of body fat. He lost 13 pounds of body fat, but he only lost three pounds of weight. This is a beautiful scenario. He just got more explosive. What we did was we didn't really change his weight. Let, how was your strength numbers? My deadlift went down 30 pounds to 597, but my bench went up 30 pounds to 285. Okay, I'm going to explain something. Right now, looking at that, you're like, yeah, but you know what? His deadlift went down from 630 to 597, basically 600. It went down 30 pounds. Okay, his deadlift went down 30 pounds. So now he's deadlifting 600 pounds, which is still way strong enough to throw a five-ounce baseball. The most and, and his bench press actually went up. But the most important thing was when we we looked at his baseline power output in his CMJ and his squat jump. His CMJ was 5253, 5253 watts. It is now 5451 watts. His squat jump is 5041 in September, end of October. It's 5196. And his single leg RSI, his ability to decelerate his lead leg went from 0.776 to 0.804. So plyometrically, he got better. Power-wise, he got better. His bench press went up. He got faster. His exit velo went up from, I believe it was 100 miles an hour to one... 
106. 106. Went up six miles an hour. And he had, wasn't, obviously wasn't throwing yet because of the time of year. I would say that probably 30 pounds off of a 630-pound deadlift is worth the, uh, the benefit, worth the risk here as far as everything else that got exponentially better. Let's move on to November and December where we actually start beginning explosive power with, with Matt. We have eight more weeks that we're going to train power now that will bring us into the first of the year. In an explosive power phase, we work two days of PAP which is post-activation potentiation. We have a recovery day. And then we work on alactic power circuits, which is his ability to be explosive for eight to 10 seconds. And we want to make sure that he's being as explosive as possible time and time again. We want to still maintain his strength, but we're working in accelerative strength. In accelerative strength, these are velocities about 65 to 75% of his one rep max, just enough to keep him strong. Like I said, we're not trying to get this guy any bigger or stronger. We're trying to maintain strength while we're working on this explosive power. So Matt, that brings us around like, you know, the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year. Talk to us a little bit about your diet and the, the challenges you found working through your, your explosive phases nutrition-wise during this time. So in the beginning of the phase, I felt good. I felt quick. Everything was working well. During the holidays, I definitely put on a few pounds, felt a little sluggish. Wasn't too worried about that. It was only two, three pounds, but I definitely felt different in the gym compared to when we started the phase you told me something funny the other day you had called one of our coaches and you were like dude i think i gained seven pounds this weekend uh talk about that a little bit once you start eating correctly right you definitely feel it yeah i definitely felt it um over super bowl weekend i ate a little bit too much stepped on the scale was up seven pounds freaked out about it but i, I stuck to my diet the rest of the time a couple weeks tracked my sleep recovery, all of the calories, and uh, we're back to where we started. So I feel even better now. It happens to me on the weekends too. A lot of that is salt and water retention. And as soon as you get back during the week again, or you get out of the holidays, your body has, just like muscle memory, once you're on a roll with your diet and your sleep and your nutrition and your working out, your body is really good at adapting back to what it needs to do. And because Matt needed so much work in the power area, just getting faster, in January, we extended that power phase, but we were using more overspeed training with him with band work, band-assisted split squats, band-assisted bench press, band-assisted chin-ups, things that were getting him to help his body feel like he's moving faster. And that was our January phase, and we decided we wanted to stay in that phase and speed up his training a little bit, especially due to the challenges he was facing body weight-wise coming through that holiday, which brings us to February, which where we are now. We kind of started, Matt, in a conjugate program, and that program is a little bit of strength, a little bit of power, and a little bit of power endurance all in one phase. And the reason we use this is because we're feeling like Matt's starting to get ready to play ball in about eight to 10 weeks. We need to start training him like a preseason program, and we need to start training him in all aspects, making sure that Everything is up to snuff. So the first thing we're going to talk about is his new numbers. We did baseline testing yesterday. Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, so when I stepped on the scale, I was uh, 233 yesterday, 12% body fat, 
And with the lifting wise, my deadlift went up to 715 and my bench press was 265. So where the last time we tested, his bench press had gone down 30 pounds and his bench press had gone up. Now his bench press has gone down roughly 15, 20 pounds, but his deadlift is up close to 80 pounds from where he initially was, which is unbelievable. As a matter of fact, my strength and conditioning coach, Omar, tested it three times with VBT. Each time, this is what came up. So I don't know if any of you understand how freakish it is to have a 630-pound deadlift and go up 80 pounds on your deadlift, 85 pounds on your deadlift. It's hard to go up 20 pounds on a deadlift. This is a guy who, taken into consideration, really didn't do a lot of strength training over the last six months, like max strength training. And his deadlift went up 80 pounds. So we have to attribute this to his ability to apply his strength that he has at quicker velocities and improving his acceleration, which is pure gold in the sport of baseball. And how are you feeling right now? I feel really great. I haven't felt better in my whole life. So I remember you telling me like this is this is one of the, the first times really you, you you look at yourself in the mirror and you like really love what you see. Yeah, first time in a while. I You're, can tell you that. So as much let me just tell you as much as a physical presence that this guy was, it's it's even more so now. His clothes drape on him better. You can just see that this is a this is a quicker, leaner machine still at at 230 I guess what right now you're 233 pounds at 13% body fat, right? So um, let's talk about his power output a little bit. His power output is 5,464. It's up from where it was in October, November, but it's down from where it was in the end of October, but very little. His body weight was almost identical in October when he had his highest number in his CMJ and his squat. His squat jump went from 5,041 to 5,248. Then we had a little bit of a dip, 5,196, and now we're back up to 5,240. So these numbers that we're seeing with Matt in February correlate a lot to what we saw in the middle of November, right before the holidays. He's at extremely similar weight. He was at 232, and now he's at 233. He was at 13.5% body fat, and he's now at 13.3% body fat. So I'm going to say that this is kind of like 232, 233. This for him is where his ideal weight lies at about a 12 to 14% body fat, which is really a great thing to realize. What are we looking for next, Matt? On the mound, everything went up hitting-wise. In the weight room-wise, I feel great in both aspects. I'm really psyched to see what I start doing once I start throwing and getting back in pitching form. So that's really it for today. We really wanted to show that it's not always about weight gain. There's a lot of high-level athletes that are already at a significant weight and are already really strong enough. Today, I wanted to show how sometimes we can take nutrition, sleep, recovery and training and make that so we're actually not looking to gain any more weight. We're just trying to decrease the amount of body fat and get a better lean body mass to create a more explosive athlete 
If you have questions, you can email me at Nunzio at Rockland Peak Performance. Matt, thanks for being with us today. Anytime, Nunz. Thanks for having me. I train with this guy every morning. He's in here early because he, he actually coaches here in the off season. So it's me and him driving through it. I'd also like to mention that a lot of the uh, methods that I use as far as aerobic plyometrics and tempo training in the explosive, in the in general endurance phases, I've gotten from Joel Jameson, who if you don't know who Joel is, look it up. He's got an amazing book out. I've been following him for years and I find nothing but great results when I use some of his methods in general endurance training. You guys can reach out to me on Twitter at Nunzio Signore or on Instagram at RPP underscore baseball. That's the facilities Instagram and Twitter. The website is rocklandpeakperformance.com. I've got a book out, Velocity Based Training, How to Apply Science, Technology, and Data to Maximize Performance. You can get it on Amazon. It's released by Human Kinetics. And until then, uh, stay tuned for another episode of Behind the Seams Podcast and have a great day.